Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on April 30th, 2021 from our studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a trip on the campaign trail. First stop, 2022 with Joe Cunningham and Senator Tim Scott. Then beyond with former Vice President Mike Pence and his first public remarks since leaving office. But wait, what about the State House? Well, the Russ McKinney kept an eye on the burning State House fires for us, and we have a slew of great business news for you as well. Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so send us your voices. Yes, your voices to our voice mailbox. We want to hear about your life in these different times. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us how you're shopping. You're gonna, you're gonna, that's gonna follow up later in our business section. I wanna know what you're buying, people. What's hot for spring? Let us know, 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where are you calling from, and just a little message, 803-563-7169. And FYI, you heard our intro, we have a big politics section, so this will count as our medical update for the pod. Currently in South Carolina, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 8,359 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 481,592 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of April 30th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive rate is 5%. There are 477 patients hospitalized with COVID-19. 111 are in intensive care, and 59 are on ventilators. Also, we had some news on Friday. 100 million Americans are fully vaccinated against COVID-19, including 1.2 million South Carolinians, or 31% of those eligible. This news comes as the state continues to reach new lows in its seven-day moving average of administered doses. Also, you probably already know this, but you no longer have to wear masks outside, folks, unless it's a super crowded situation like a sporting event, or were mandated by a law, or if you want to. I don't care. I really don't care what you do. But get the shot, you know? That's what they say. It's not me. I don't make the rules here. I just tell you what they say to say. What? Yeah, no, they say get the shot. Hmm? Mm-hmm. 803-563-716. Okay, before we get into the big names of this week, we need to catch you up on the Statehouse action since several high-profile bills we've been talking about are still alive with six days left in session. So we've resorted to the biggest name on this podcast to give you an update. That's right. The Russ McKinney of South Carolina Public Radio. Hallelujah. Take it away, Russ. With just two weeks left in this year's regular session of the state legislature, the fates of a number of high-profile controversial bills remain unclear. Bills that would create a hate crimes law and legalize the use of medical marijuana are once again not expected to make it through this year's session. A bill that is expected to make it to the governor's desk before adjournment could see the return of executions. The measure, which has already been approved by the Senate and is now pending in the House, would allow the electric chair or firing squad to be used to carry out death sentences. 
Current law allows a lethal injection as the default method for executions, but the refusal by drug companies to make the lethal drugs available to the state has halted executions in recent years. A committee advanced the bill to the full House this week despite efforts by death penalty opponents like Democrat Justin Bamberg of Bamberg to slow it down. Bamberg claimed that death penalty proponents are simply anxious to see executions resume in the state. And now the state is stuck with people on death row and they elected a way that just isn't available. So what are we going to do? We're just going to change the law on them and we're going to fry them. We're going to give them the chair. The bill is expected to be approved by the House next week, and Governor McMaster has said he's anxious to sign the execution bill into law. Another priority bill for conservative lawmakers this year would expand gun rights. The open carry with training bill has already passed in the House and is now pending in the Senate. The bill would allow residents with a state-issued concealed weapons permit to openly wear sidearms. Testimony before a Senate subcommittee this week echoed the same pro and con arguments that accompany proposed gun rights bills. Joanne Walker of Fort Mill and a member of Moms Demand Action urged senators to oppose the bill. I appreciate that other states have chosen to do this, but we have a gun violence problem in this country. We do not need to be weakening the laws that we currently have in place. We do not need to be adding legislation that is meaningless and purely performative. D.J. Spiker represents the National Rifle Association and spoke in favor of the open carry bill. This is not create the Wild West. There's a, this is expanding our constitutional freedoms and restoring them here in South Carolina. But statistically, we have seen from concealed carry holders and handgun owners, this does not create a mass expansion of carrying within South Carolina. Late Thursday, the Senate voted to give the open carry bill priority debate status. That greatly enhances its chances of winning passage this year. And supporters are expected to attempt to amend the bill to allow gun owners to open carry handguns without any kind of training or state license. Social conservatives at the Statehouse continue to look for ways to try and prohibit transgender students from playing on girls' middle and high school sports teams. Backers of the Save Women's Sports Act say it is unfair and even unsafe for transgender students to play on girls' teams. This week, Democrats and a few Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee blocked the bill for the second time this session. Richland County Democrat Beth Bernstein. It's just a partisan, polarizing issue that the 25 members on this committee, really, we, sh- we really shouldn't even be debating this issue. And I'm going to sound like a broken record, but we're creating a solution for a problem that does not exist. An attempt to ban transgender students from girls' teams even bogged down the Senate for several hours this week during its debate on next year's state budget. Thanks, Russ. And also that sentencing reform bill we've been talking about, which eliminates mandatory minimums for drug offenders, among other things, also passed the House over to the Senate. Now, it's unclear if it will make it through judiciary and that process because, again, like we said, six more days till sine die. And needless to say, we'll be waiting to see what the Senate Judiciary Committee gets up to next year since so many bills are currently sitting over there. And don't expect any House committee meetings next week. Speaker Jay Lucas said Thursday that since the House calendar is so large, there would be no way to work through anything more than what's already on it. Bills include the death penalty, non-certified police officers working alongside certified officers, and a convention of states, among others. 
There will also be a joint session on Wednesday to elect several university trustees. From the State House to the campaign trail, folks. That's right. That's that sound. That's it. Campaign trail. That's it. That's Dean. I bet you some of our listeners have no idea what that means. Look it up, kids. Look it up. Now, welcome, like I said, to this portion of our podcast. So let's go in chronological order here for our next segments so as not to show any potential favoritism. I don't want calls. I don't want reviews, unless they're good. Starting off with Joe Cunningham, the former Democratic congressman who flipped the first congressional district in the low country back in 2018. He kicked off his campaign just as you'd expect he would at a brewery, tradesman brewing in Charleston to be exact. Reminiscent of his campaign tour of breweries that helped him win a R plus 10 district back in 2018. And what that means is the previous two presidential elections, the district's results were 10 points or more Republican than the national average. So impressive. Again, he won that district by 4,000 votes, something he's hoping to replicate statewide after losing to Republican Nancy Mace by 6,600 votes last November. To those who say the Democrat can't win in South Carolina, well, we've heard that before. In 2018, thanks to many of you, I flipped a congressional district that had not voted for a Democrat in 40 years. A district that Donald Trump won by 13 points. On, on, on election night, on election night in 2018, the experts gave us a 9%, not 9-0, a 9% chance of winning. But we won then. And we're going to do it again. Yes, Cunningham was one of the more bipartisan members of Congress in his two years and even had two of his bills not only pass the House, but get signed into law by President Trump. Work ethic, he says, he'll carry over to the governor's mansion. As far as Cunningham's proposals, well, they're kind of lofty. He wants to see in-state public college be free for those who maintain a B average or better, give teachers a raise, expand voting access, expand Medicaid, He's also maintaining his no offshore drilling stance, which McMaster supports, and also to improve the state's infrastructure. Now, he was a bit light on how to do that and some other proposals. Take a listen. These challenges are going to cost money. And I am committed to doing it without raising taxes. And that means we have to look at new revenue sources. We have to get serious about tackling corruption at the State House. We need to implement term limits on all legislators. We need to ban them from raising money during the legislative session so they can focus more on doing their job than keeping their job. And we have to finally Finally, end gerrymandering once and for all. Also, Cunningham made a commitment to have the most diverse staff and cabinet, which should fuel some running mate speculation for the foreseeable future. He also raised $400,000 in the first 48 hours after the news broke earlier this week in a sign he hopes that will let others know how serious his bid is, something potential Democrats may take note of before jumping in. Looking at you, potentials, Senator Mia McLeod and former Representative Mandy Powers-Norell. Just some names floating out there. I can't tell you what's going to happen, but 
just what's floating. Now, that fundraising haul did outperform Governor Henry McMaster's entire first quarter, though the governor has some more than $1 million on hand. While money is critical, we know it's not everything. See Jimmy Harrison's $130 million war chest from 2020. And just want to put this up front for Democrats and Republicans alike. Just because you're governor doesn't mean you get what you want. So when you think about all those policy proposals, you got to take that with a grain of salt here. You're not that powerful besides having a commandy boy pulpit that you can use to your advantage to somewhat wrangle the Republican-controlled legislature. Yes, you're the head of state government. You have veto power, control the National Guard, have the ability to appoint cabinet members and U.S. senators in case of vacancies, and propose a budget. You can also force podcasts to record in studio. But a budget proposal doesn't have to be followed, though McMaster has notched several accomplishments as a result of collaboration, something his predecessors had a little trouble with. Now, we will say on Friday the Cook Political Report moved the race from solid Republican to likely Republican. But we saw that rating dramatically shift to toss-up in last year's Senate race, and the result was a 10-point win for Senator Lindsey Graham. Granted, it was also a presidential year. But note, we are still not Georgia, North Carolina, or Virginia. We are Ruby Red, South Carolina. So now that we're officially on the 2022 campaign trail, a programming note, I will not be crisscrossing this entire state in earnest until later this year at the earliest. So hours after Cunningham's kickoff, President Joe Biden addressed a joint session of Congress and laid out the accomplishments of his first 100 days in office, such as creating the most jobs by any president ever, a massive vaccine rollout, and the $2 trillion American Rescue Plan. Biden also touted his new infrastructure plan, the American Jobs Plan, which is a transformative once-in-a-generation investment that he says will help keep the country leading the world this century, as China and others continue to nip at our heels. The International Monetary Fund is now estimating our economy will grow at a rate of more than 6% this year. That will be the fastest pace of economic growth in this country in nearly four decades. America's moving, moving forward, but we can't stop now. We're in competition with China and other countries to win the 21st century. We're at a great inflection point in history. We have to do more than just build back better. We build back, we have to build back better. We have to compete more strenuously than we have. Biden also pushed his American Families Plan, which focuses on health care, education, and child care. Now, the big spending plans come with big price tags as well, totaling $4 trillion, which he plans to finance through higher taxes on corporations, eliminating certain tax credits, and increasing taxes by 2.6% on those making over $452,700, and married couples earning more than $509,300, according to CNBC. Needless to say, a bitter pill to swallow for many, including Republicans. That 64-minute-long speech led into the 15-minute Republican response from Senator Tim Scott. This was Scott's biggest speech to date, ever since he closed out day one of the Republican National Convention last August. However, State of the Union rebuttals, which this was akin to, are inherently tricky and can hang over the rising stars they're meant to highlight. But Scott, like then-Governor Nikki Haley in 2016, managed it without stumbles, gaffes, or any criticism other than for their words, which comes with the territory of any political speech. However, the biggest blowback came when Scott was talking about race, something he has successfully navigated, especially over the last four years, which featured no short supply of racially charged situations 
for the only black Republican senator to seemingly bear the weight of responding to. Believe me, I know firsthand our healing is not finished. In 2015, after the shooting of Walter Scott, I wrote a bill to fund body cameras. Last year, after the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I built an even bigger police reform proposal. But my Democratic colleagues blocked it. I extended an olive branch. I offered amendments, but Democrats used a filibuster to block the debate from even happening. My friends across the aisle seemed to want the issue more than they wanted a solution. But I'm still working. I'm hopeful that this will be different. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination, and it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. Vice President Kamala Harris responded the next morning to Scott's speech, saying, quote, I don't think America is a racist country, but we also do have to speak truth about the history of racism in our country and its existence today, quote. Scott touted his strong personal narrative of moving from poverty to nearly flunking out of high school to getting on a track that led him to becoming a U.S. senator while also labeling Biden's infrastructure plan as big government waste, and that Biden was pulling the nation further and further apart. Now, Scott is still working with New Jersey Democratic Senator Cory Booker and California Democratic Representative Karen Bass on police reform, and he also met with members of George Floyd's family on Thursday. Also on Thursday, former Vice President Mike Pence was before a group of more than 300 South Carolina Christian conservatives in Columbia, making his first public remarks since leaving office. And here was the juiciest bit of the 30-minute highlight reel of his time in office with President Donald Trump. We need to provide the loyal opposition, as so many Republicans across the country are doing, and I promise you I'll be doing as well, pushing back on an administration and a liberal agenda being driven by the radical left. And finally, we've got to guard our values, like the theme of this dinner, by offering a positive agenda to the American people grounded in our highest ideals. Now, over the coming months, I'll have more to say about all of that, and I know you will, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, the coming months, it will not only be the Mike Pence's and Nikki Haley's and Mike Pompeo's, but other potential 2024 contenders who will come to our sunny state to court key voting blocks like Christian conservatives. So very 2024 light. So just things we're keeping an eye on for you here at The Lead. It's trail adjacent. Now, Pence mentioned in passing the Capitol insurrection that his former boss helped fuel over months of heated and predominantly false rhetoric that culminated in the storming of Congress on January 6, which left Pence and his family fleeing for their lives. You know, we've all been through a lot over the past year. A global pandemic, 
civil unrest, a divisive election, tragedy at our nation's capital, and a new administration intent on further dividing our country as they advance the agenda of the radical left. Now, members of the media didn't have a chance to speak with the former Veep, so it's not clear if he would have answered Meg Kennard's question about 2024 the same way Nikki Haley did, which is that she wouldn't run if Trump decides to run again. Which, on Fox Business on Thursday, the former president said he's 100% thinking about. So, for the time being, we wait. Uh, we wait on the trail. The trail bides. We follow the trail where it takes us. Campaign trail. <laughs> All right, let's cool off from the campaign trail and jump into this spicy business section we got for you. So much, so much news for you. So let's start with some business news you can use or someone you may know can use, and that's rental and utility assistance. SC Housing said it will soon launch SC Stay Plus, which is a $272 million federally funded program to help qualifying residents receive up to 12 months of assistance for rent and utility payments dating back to last March. Pretty huge right there. Applicants may also qualify for up to three months of future rental assistance as well. That's big for a lot of people out there who are still struggling as a result of the pandemic. Now, applications will be available in early May, which is like today. I don't know when, but, you know, May is here. And you can find the qualifying criteria online at schousing.com. Now, if you reside in Anderson, Berkeley, Charleston, Greenville, Ori, Richland, or Spartanburg counties, you cannot apply as local housing authorities have their own programs available to you. Speaking of spending money, which we as Americans love to do and almost seem to be required to do, we got our first look at first quarter 2021 GDP numbers. And uh, I think you're going to like the way you look. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guarantee it. The country's economy, which consumers fuel two-thirds of, you and me, grew at an annualized rate of 6.4% for the first three months of the year. Bazinga. Donkey sauce. And additional data shows that folks are shopping till they drop, or at least they want to. Consumer confidence is through the roof. Reuters reports it jumped to a 14-month high in April as increased vaccinations against COVID-19 and additional fiscal stimulus allowed for more service-based businesses to reopen boosting demand, and hiring more people. Donkey sauce. This rosy data from the conference board also showed a strong increase in vacation plans. Donkey sauce. This suggests that the economy continued to power ahead early in the second quarter after what appears to have been robust growth in the first three months of the year. This is believed by many economists to have been the second strongest since 2003. Now, growth this year is expected to be one of the best in nearly four decades. So now I made a little donkey sauce. But wait, there's more. If you buy right now, <laughs> that's right, we got more numbers. Consumer spending numbers, that is, for March. They increased 4.2% after falling 1% in February, according to Commerce Department data. Of course, a lot of Americans got their stimulus checks in March, and households have some $2.2 trillion in excess savings, which will help keep things pumping well into the year. Also, you can always send some to the lead. 
And wages in accommodations and food service jobs are up 1.7% in the first quarter. This according to the Employment Cost Index, which measures labor costs. So, boom, there you go. A lot of positive economic news, which leads me to ask you, what are y'all buying? I hope not air fryers, because we, <laughs> we only need 300 more calls, and then you get the slight chance that you might be able to win one in international waters. By leaving a voicemail, terms and conditions apply, 803-563-7169. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us, like I said, what you're buying, what you're shopping, what you're selling. We want to know, what are you up to? Talked about vacations. Are you planning any? Are you just hanging out, enjoying the nice weather? Let us know. 803-563-7169. E.T. Yes. Yes, sir. We have yes, sir. a call you said that came in right after we just wrapped our last episode. Yes, and it so was this, one of the best ones we've ever this received. This is one of the greatest uh, phone calls I've ever personally received. Mm. And um, and when, you've had the president on the phone before. Oh, I've talked to so I've <laughs> talked to every living president. Um <laughs> But <laughs> um, and anyway, so this is not a guilt-driven. No, uh, this is not a guilt-driven no. voicemail. As we did receive it twelve minutes after we finished recording on Friday. Either way, I don't really care. This is this is a great call. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> spool it up, spool it up. <laughs> without any further ado, oh my, my phone locked out. Without any further ado, <laughs> here we go. This is it. Hi, this is Aaron in Clover. And I just saw the trailer for F9, and the excitement is real. Can you hear the quaver in my voice? I'm shaking with excitement. The release date is June 25th, and I know that's like two months away, but I need you reporters to find out where I will be able to see this in my area. The Manchester Cinema in Rock Hill is closed. It seems like our theater's gonna reopen in time. Where can I watch this on the big screen? I have not missed one since the first. Die Hard fan. OMG. So excited. So please, uh, any updates over the next two months on where I can see this fantastic ninth installment of the Fast and Furious universe. Thank you. Living my life a quarter mile at a time. Thank you. <laughs> well, AT, would you like to respond on behalf of all of us here? Oh, the lead uh, to Aaron. I, I can speak. Aaron, love it. You know what? I can speak for Gavin when I say he loves this too. Um, but uh, also, I, I did some research. Beep boop beep beep. Yep. I uh, I I called movie phone. Um, Go it was, ahead. It was just Kramer. But uh, that's a Seinfeld joke for anyone who please is leave very them at young. the door. Um, Anyway, it doesn't look like there are many uh, Wait, theaters open near you. I, I, I will say, though. Yeah, say it. I just saw this the other day that the, and this is going to be so on the nose for your uh, living your life one quarter mile at a time. Correct, yeah. The drive-in in Mineta, yeah. South Carolina. But she is, is up uh, well, near Rock Hill. Uh, correct, but I mean, this is this is a test here. Mm-hmm. How dedicated are you to seeing this in theatres <laughs> that you can you can traverse 77 down to 20 and scoot on over to a drive-in? Yeah. If you're catching my Tokyo Drift. If you're catching, oh, she's going to drift all <laughs> oh, the yeah. way down. You know that. Aaron and Clover, let us know. I mean, we could have a movie night out there. I would go, uh, I, but I, 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 you're probably going to have to go to Charlotte is what I would have to guess. But 
Yeah. This is this is the breaking news here. Mm. It actually starts today, day of the taping, this Friday. But there's something called FastFridayScreenings.com. And leading up to this ninth and uh, amazing <laughs> installment, every Friday until it comes out, they're replaying for free every Fast and Furious in Hard theaters. to believe. It's true. Fast, for free. FastFridayScreenings.com. So, um we're con- we're obviously we're not we're not making this one, but the, you really have to start paying attention on on the twenty eighth of May because that's when F five is there, and everyone who's anyone knows that F five is when okay. modern Fast and Furious lore really starts. All right, I think I was at the gym the other day and it was on the TV and I was just I You're so I, mad. I couldn't. It's like it's some sort of purgatory. It's like what is this? It's so good. When Uh-oh. The Rock and Vin Diesel fight in F5, it is literally like yes. uh, Superman versus Batman or something. Like, they are, they're superheroes at that point. It's well, amazing. speaking of large people. Yeah, talk about it. Towner McGill. Y'all, what a guy. What a guy. Hardcore listener, hardcore fan of the pod down there in, uh, in, down there in the low country of Charleston. When you were down covering Jamie. Uh, when you're here, your family. Yeah, I was, <laughs> well, I was covering Joe Cunningham's announcement. Um you know, it was a great, great oh, night too. out there. Saw some familiar faces. Saw, I saw um, another lead listener. I didn't get his name, but he gave me a shout out. Love, you know, you can, you can grab me. You can say hi. You can say, you know, Gavin loves getting cat calls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a, you know, a lot of people are against it. I'm, I'm, I'm you're pro cat call. It's, 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 <laughs> it's when, uh, the un- unpopular opinion, <laughs> you know, sexual harassment, unpopular opinion. <laughs> but we saw Towner, got a picture with him and one of his daughters. It was just a fun little moment. Towner's a large person. He's tall. I'm a tall guy, yeah. and, and Towner is, is much bigger than me. And uh, my aunt Schechter was there, and she was standing on a riser and was just just slightly taller than him, but still just amazing to see in real life these uh, people, these it, giants among us. <laughs> gentle giant. Gentle. He's a very gentle giant. Oh, a very giant. gentle giant, yeah. yes. Very plugged in man. Obviously why he loves this illustrious podcast. Of course, yeah. of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, started crisscrossing the state this week a little bit. Brutal. Uh, I, I went to ask you like what you were doing Yeah. and you were like, oh, I have to be here and then here and then here and then here. Yes. And I was like, it's starting. This is yeah. terrible. And then Friday night, we're taping this Friday, and uh, I'm going to be going to the Richland County Republican Party convention there. The governor's going to speak. Maybe Linwood will show up. You know, we're just oh, here to see some of the fireworks. If yes. Linwood could show up, that would be supposed primo. to do so. Yeah, we'll, we'll have some. Uh, we'll have the latest for you on that. I guess next week. The truth is coming out. <laughs> we're coming up on the uh, the GOP convention. The state conventions May fifteenth. So we'll have some some coverage there for you as well. But yeah. It's always, I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's it's work, but it's still fun. I get to see people you're I with like, all your you friends. know, and it's, yeah, you're it's, with your it's pals. fine, you know. Don't, I'm not complaining here. It's a great job. And I got to drive, you know, that Chrysler Voyager. I mean, you want to talk Ooh. about comfort. Get yourself a family caravan <laughs> and just load the kids in, load the pets, you know, load all your gear in there. I mean, it's just, you can't. When it's a date I, night, they've, yeah. they've got sto- stone go seats. You know, I think so. we should take that to the drive and just you know, check it out for the weekend. And be like, from from the boardroom to the bedroom, <laughs> Chrysler, baby. Stop. <laughs> oh, we'll take it to the drive-thru, pack it out, and put some people in there. But you know what? Again, just like this like this podcast, you can't put a price on comfort. You can't. Familiar uh, voices. That's why I get laughing that along. people pay thousands of dollars to listen Thousand, to this podcast. And you know what? We're not going to do that to you. Even though there's some talk about NPR doing stuff like that. We're not going to do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> if you Pat, wanted to give us thousands, know. though. <laughs> yeah. Gavin and I are great at taking under-the-table bribes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we, we are very discreet, man. <laughs> How do you think we got on those air fryers? Come on! They just <laughs> fell off the back of a car, you know? Much, much was, like the first Fast and Furious. I was down at the Port of Charleston, and, uh, you know, a container might have got loose. Know a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> he gets me my Capa Gol and my Hot Soap Rizat. 
He and was like, I got a line on some air fryers. Air fryers are ready to move. Do you want them? Yes. Obviously. So now I have one in every room, two in each bathroom. <laughs> now we just need voicemails. That's all we need. We're just waiting for 200 more, 300 more of you to call in before we can draw any names. <laughs> for the potential to possibly get an air fryer that according to terms and conditions, may not exist. You need to find your own ride to international waters, though. That's <laughs> yeah. not on us to provide. That's on you. It's a huge liability for mm. us. <laughs> yeah, we're going to give you the coordinates 15 <laughs> minutes in advance. <laughs> uh, once hurricane season starts. Okay, folks, well, we got to stop before we just keep going. But thanks for listening to the pod. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on iTunes or a voicemail at 803-563-7169. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org as well. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. Also, make sure you watch This Week in South Carolina every Friday night at 7.30 p.m. on ETV and every Sunday morning at 11.30 a.m. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Oh, the baby! <laughs> That's exactly when I started rolling.